Today, how to raise financially fit kids. This is the Seven Figures Podcast Smart Money Strategies for Women with Sandy Waters. Financial confidence. That is why we're here, right? That's why we listen to the podcast every week because we want to have a good understanding of what's going on with our finances. We want to know. We don't want to be in the dark anymore about our money. We want to have control. We want to get rid of the money stress in our lives. And if you're a parent, you want to be a good role model for your kids. You want to teach them valuable money lessons, right? Every month we bring in our favorite CFP, VP at Morgan Stanley, Erica Cummings joins the conversation. And each month, Erica gives us a topic, something that we can learn, just zero in on one part of our finances. And then if we follow Erica's guidance, every month we get one step closer to that point where we can say, hey, I'm financially confident. So at the end of the year, we'll look back and we'll be in a completely different spot financially. Okay. So Erica, thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. Always happy to be here. The topic today is what? How to raise financially fit children. Okay. Near and dear to my heart. I have a 10 and a 13 year old. And the reason this is such a great topic as we head into the summer is our kids tend to kind of shut their brains off for the next two months and they don't even want to think about learning. But this is a really great opportunity for parents to continue to keep their kids stimulated from an educational standpoint and also discuss a topic that more likely than not is not addressed in the schools. And we all know, we've all made mistakes along the way, that all it takes is is one or two bad decisions to really send you off. Set course. you back, and, yeah. Yeah. And the best time to really start is when, when they're young, when they're starting to maybe earn that allowance or they're starting to get extra birthday money or holiday money and just really teaching them how to properly manage those funds as they come in. And so school breaks are great. So it's yeah. a little way for you to spend some time with your kids that maybe gets them away from the video games. And you can really chunk it out over the course of two months so it's not overwhelming. Is it easier if we break it down by age groups so we know exactly what to say and how to talk to our kids about money? Yeah, so it actually works out perfectly because we have four different age groups. And there's several topics for each age group that you can start to discuss. I have a couple of suggestions for different apps, too, that the kids can go on. Oh, perfect. you You can Google them as well. But... We'll uh, go through each age group, kind of just go through what you should be focusing on and then what you can do in order to make this a little bit more interactive. Okay. So the awesome. last thing the kids want is a, you know another workbook all summer long. Oh, so. Kids, <laughs> we're going to school in the summer, yeah. financial school. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And let's put a little bit more pressure on the parents, too, because we don't have enough on our plate as right. it is trying Especially, to get them from right. camp to camp. So <laughs> right. there's some things that can be uh, easy for both both parent and child to digest during the summer. Okay, so let's start with what age group are we going to start at? So before we start with these age groups, the the one thing I want to make sure that we are conveying to our children is there's five ways that we have a relationship with money. And obviously it changes depending on the age group, but we all essentially earn money. We obviously try to save money. Mm Mm-hmm. We spend it. At some point in time, we probably have to borrow it. And then we try to, of course, gift it as well. And whether that's gifting to family members or gifting to 
charities and different organizations in the community. It's taking the money that you've earned and giving it away, and it's not for your own personal spending. So we want to make sure that as we're having these discussions with our kids that we try to touch on each one of these topics. Now, borrowing for the, for the young ones probably is a little bit early, but it's really important that kids start to understand as they get older the ramifications of borrowing money and, and what it means and, you know, how quickly you can get caught up in that loop. Yeah. And it's completely different than when we were growing up. We didn't really see our parents borrow money as much that now everything is focused on borrowing money and, you know, buy now, pay later mentality. On top of it, we have apps now where you can just press the send it to me now and you can do it at any point in time and have something within two days. Sure. This is the environment that our kids are growing up in. And we need to make sure that they understand that that this all has to get paid for at some point and Mm -hmm. not paying it can have really, really dire consequences. So what we can do is start with kind of that grade school age. So as little as kindergarten, first grade, up until maybe about sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And really at this point, it's talking about kind of what to do with birthday money you know, handling their allowances, maybe talking about the trade-offs between saving and spending. So here's a story we just went through with my daughter. She was given, I told her she could have $25 to spend at Five Below. She did a really wonderful thing at school, and um, that was her little prize. And we've gone now three times because I've tried to have her understand that it is not necessary if you can't find $25 worth of stuff that you want, that you can Uh. always just pocket the money and we can come back another time. And maybe you decide you don't want to use it at all right now and you want to save it or you want to use it for something else. So trying to get them to understand the difference between that instant gratification versus long-term and whether it's saving or whether it's saving up for something bigger, whatever it might be, you know, kids want that candy right there at that moment. As you're telling your story, I think all of us are nodding our heads along like, yep, that happened to me too. Yep. Same situation. It burns a (laughs) hole in their pocket. They can't help it. And so that's one of the best lessons you can teach them when they're younger is that just because you have money doesn't mean you need to spend it. And that kind of leads into their ability to actually save long-term too. So we started out with our kids when you have some of those more monumental times where they might be receiving more gifts. So for example, with our kids, we're Catholic, so they've made their communions and everybody sends these wonderful cash gifts and having discussions with them that this is not, you're not about to go out and spend hundreds of dollars. We are putting at least half away, and then you can maybe get something now. And same thing with birthdays, as I know for me, my son's 13. There's not a whole lot to buy him anymore. So oftentimes he does get gift cards and he gets cash. And just having discussions about possibility that it may not even be something you're going to use for a few years. Or saying, you know what, you really want some outdoor stuff. So if you get that Christmas present or that holiday present, You can wait six months until it's time to buy Mm. stuff to use outdoors. So 
really that trade-off between saving and spending. And then what do we do with it when, it's, when we want to save it? So going to a bank, we took our kids to a bank when they were young with their communion money. Both of them, we did this. And they were able to go into the bank and actually open up their own savings account. And it was just this really nice experience for them to really understand that this is what banks do. And you put money in there and it's always going to be there. And even though interest rates are pretty low right now, it, it does grow more than just sitting in your room. And having them understand that that's, that's something that's being put away for the future. What percentage would you say, going back a little bit, when they do get birthday money or communion money or whatever it may be, what percentage do you advise at that age group to set aside to save? You know, I think it obviously depends on the child. It depends on the amount of money. It depends on, I mean, I know for me, I use my kids' birthdays as a, that's when we get them clothes. So that's another conversation entirely is that this money is not just for you to be buying toys with or to be buying things that make you happy. It's you need clothes. And my daughter's birthday is in April and my son's birthday is November. So they're perfect times to be buying spring clothes and for my son be buying winter clothes. And especially as they get older, I'm sure you're experiencing it the clothes are really expensive, Mm. whether it's because they're just getting bigger. And so you're going into with my son, we're into smaller men's sizes, which means you're just paying more or they want the name brands and they want to have the labels on them. And so really at that point, it's also having a discussion about how we, you have to start contributing towards this because I can go to target and I can go to Walmart and get you those shorts. Or if you want to have the Under Armour shorts, then you have to start to contribute towards the cost of this. Okay, so at what age did you do that? Because I think a lot of us parents feel guilty when they say, hey, why do I have to pay for my own clothes? Especially little boys don't care about clothes. Why do I have to pay when it's, uh, you know, clothes you can say is a a necessity? So at what age do you say, okay, listen, you got to help out now? Well, this was just personal experience, but I would say probably around nine or 10 years old. Okay. And that was when, and granted, the boys maybe aren't as into it as the girls are, but my son only wants Under Armour. He wants Nike. Mm. So granted, he's not, quote unquote, spending a lot on, he's not getting a lot of fancy clothing, but a pair of shorts in men's Under Armour shorts are $40. Sure, sure. And the sneakers especially with the boys, the older they get. So now they're in men's sizes and they want the really fancy sneakers and you could be talking hundreds of dollars depending on what they want. So, okay. yeah, so if they son, want the higher end items, then encourage them to contribute help. And if you don't, yeah. do you feel like you're enabling them to fall prey to the whole, you know, keeping up with the Joneses if you don't get them involved in taking responsibility to pay for some of those higher ticket items at that age? Yeah, it's not just um, keeping up with the Joneses, but it's you're not going to be able to keep up with yourself because unless you plan on supporting your kids for the rest of their life, the only way they're going to learn how to work hard and buy things on their own is by learning young. Yeah. And most of us, we didn't have the ability to have our parents buy us the most expensive items. And so we had to learn how to work for it. And I know with my my parents were divorced and my mother had a set amount that she would spend on back to school clothing. That was it. That's all she could afford. So if I wanted something more, 
yeah, I had to babysit or when I got older, I had a job and I had to make up the difference because it just simply wasn't there. Yeah. And so we may be able to give our kids a little bit more, but we shouldn't necessarily be doing so because we became successful and hardworking because of how we're raised. And even though maybe we have it a little bit better, we certainly want to still be conveying those same principles to our kids or else at some point they're not going to be able to keep up with the, the lifestyle that, that we've made them accustomed to. Yeah, and I feel like that's the biggest struggle. I know personally I feel it, so I'm, I'm assuming there's other parents out there that feel it. Well, so-and-so, her mom buys everything. And I'm like, yeah. you don't always have to buy the name brand. A lot of times it's quality versus quantity, sure, but... Well, and they're growing so fast. Yes, right. So that's a very good point. They're right. stuff so quickly that it really you know, isn't worth it to spend a whole lot of money on you know, sneakers and things like that, because with, I know, at least with my son, it's rapid how yeah. quickly okay. they're growing. So don't feel guilty, mom and dads, if you're listening, to have them also pitch in some of the money. No, okay. no, not at all. The other thing that you can start to talk to them about, and, and then we'll move on to high school, when they're younger is this notion of insurance. And I know it sounds like a high level topic, but I think it's really important that kids understand that they're, when they go to the doctor, mm. that you do have to pay for these things. Or when somebody makes a decision at their house that may be dangerous, that this could be really bad for your household as a whole. So this notion of the role of insurance and when we're driving in a car and something happens that that you know, what, how do we cover these accidents and how do we cover these mistakes and why is insurance so important? And I've been having those discussions a little bit more often with my kids because they really, you know, they don't understand or they didn't understand, well, what happens if something catastrophic happens? We had, unfortunately, um, a house actually burned down in our neighborhood a couple of years ago and everybody was safe and everybody was fine. But I mean, it burnt down to the ground, had to be rebuilt. And our kids were were definitely mentally, they were devastated. Mm-hmm. Partially because it's just, it's a devastating thing. It happened to be right before Halloween too. So we all walked past it for trick-or-treating and it was just spooky. Luckily, everybody was saved. So that part we could cover with the kids. But right away, it was, if that happened to us, would we be homeless? And would we have enough money? And just having the discussion with them that this, this is why we have insurance. And insurance means that you may have to pay for something that you don't ever use. Hopefully you don't ever use. And so having those conversations with them as they're growing up and just explaining every time we go to the doctor, this is insurance and insurance is paying for this. Or maybe there are people that don't have insurance and that's why it's so important that, you know, you try to take care of yourself. And so just those little bits of, of, discussions about how how you can protect yourself beyond just your savings because it is it is something that if something like our the house burning down in our neighborhood mm-hmm. they really didn't they didn't understand it yeah yeah that's a, that's interesting to bring it up so early on and that's yeah. a, that's often something that we all for we all kind of forget about because we hate paying for insurance because you're yeah. right it's something that you're paying for that you hopefully will never have to use but exactly okay. exactly so moving on to high school, this is obviously, you know, ninth grade through 12th grade. It, it really starts to become more important 
to start talking about how we're going to be paying for education. So whether that be college or whether that be a trade school, whatever the kids are going to do beyond high school, they have to start learning about give and take. So if I know that I can only afford X amount of money for education, then we should be having an intelligent discussion with our kids that we can't afford to send you to a $50,000 a year school. So we're going to have to look at state schools and parents have to understand that you are not going, this is not the end all be all decision of their life that they will play on our heartstrings and they certainly will want to go to the most exciting schools. But trust me when I tell you that the education that they get will be appropriate and they will be able to create uh, their own reputation and they'll network and they'll be able to have a, a perfectly wonderful life if you send them to Brockport versus Ithaca. And I'm not put, you know, saying good or bad about either school, but it's about a $25,000 difference. And I don't know how many guests come on the air and say the same thing, especially the first two years of school, taking liberal arts. Yeah. Yeah. You could be doing it at MCC. Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. I mean, from yeah. the people like the Jill Schlesinger, who's on CBS News, to you, mm-hmm. to uh, representatives who are, you know, help families find the right college. Everybody says the same thing. Please don't pay just for the bragging rights. And that, you know, kind of drives me nuts with the schools. And I'm going to point the finger at the schools because they have the big wall. And my daughter said this to me. She goes, do I have to put on the wall that I'm going to go to MCC or a state school? I'm like, who cares? Who really cares? It really is the wall of almost shame if you don't go to a prestigious school. And that's I get why they do it. They're excited for the students and they want to build them up and encourage them. But that, I don't know if it's backfiring. I agree with you 100 percent. I actually saw in our in our town, a lot of the larger neighborhoods will put signs at the entrance to the neighborhood with all the graduates in that particular neighborhood for the given year. And I saw one the other day that actually has the schools that they're going to. And there was one on there. There was one on there that did not have a school. And I just, to me, that's about as bad as it can get in terms of zeroing in on a child who, who knows what their decision is. They may end up going into a trade where they'll have success immediately right out of the gate because they're going to be educated and be able to work and start earning money immediately. So I do think that um, between guidance counselors, and no offense to all you guidance counselors out there, but it is there's different priorities depending on who you're talking to. Yeah, and I'm not saying that every role isn't important and doesn't have um, an absolute voice in the conversation. However, we need to be serious about what the family can afford. I've watched way too many people risk their own future in order to take care of their kids in some way, shape, or form. So kids need to understand that this is a financial decision just like anything else. If you have no intention of buying your kids a BMW, then don't go to the BMW store. Go to the Honda store. Right. And I told her, I go, Leah, you could put on there, 
I might be going to MCC because I am financially smart. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, yes, there's and, nothing wrong with them. I mean, it is peer pressure, and it's hard to explain to kids, and it's, it it's really, really difficult. And she's but, only in ninth grade, so this is so far. Who the heck knows where she's going to go? Exactly. It's way exactly. too early for her to worry about this. The big thing is being able to start to have a conversation with them about what does this really mean, that this is a yeah. giant purchase. Yep. It's a hundred plus thousand dollars all in depending on where you go and, and how you're going to fund it. And, you know, they need to understand that there is, and I personally think no matter how much you have in resources that your kids should have some skin in the game, they should have some, something to lose if they're not attending school and they're not doing well, because when everything is paid for, sometimes, that's when you start to see kids fall off a little bit. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's very different when, when they have some skin in the game. And that's obviously a family decision that you know needs to be navigated, but you should be at least having the conversation. It shouldn't just be that the kids are picking a school and you're scrambling to try and figure out how to pay for it. Okay, so they, start the conversation in high school. Hey, here's the budget. Here's how much you should put into this. Let's figure out how to get into the school that makes most sense. Exactly. And then the one other thing that I think is really important is as the kids get older, they start to get to be 17, 18 years old, mm-hmm. um, identity theft and any type of fraud. And also, are they managing their online profiles? So this kind of all ties in together, although the online profile may not necessarily be directly related to their financial health. You shouldn't be posting you know, your cars and you shouldn't be posting anything that shows where you live. And there's a lot of things that kids don't realize that they're not just affecting their reputation, but they're pretty much putting out there that I'm on vacation and our whole family's on vacation for a week. And oh, by the way, here's a picture of my car with my address. And yeah, that's scary. I think we all, we all, uh, we all kind of forget about that. Yes. And so just, you know, reinforcing with the kids how important it is to, um, you know, watch for that identity theft. They're going to be getting driver's licenses at that point. So they'll have a driver's license and they'll have a social security card. And right there, you can pretty much start having a field day with someone's identity. So just making sure that they're very careful about what they're carrying around with them and, um, you know, just overall safety and security. It's far beyond just being, you know, pickpocketed when you walk down, down the street now. Yeah. Yeah. And these, man, these scammers, they're pretty. Uh, Unbelievable. Yeah. They're pretty savvy, connecting yes. all the dots to all the yes. posts that you ever made. Yes. And it's artificial intelligence. So they don't even, it, it's not even somebody that's actually doing yeah. it. it. It's a computer algorithm that's finding. I mean, we see it all the time when mm-hmm. you look up something on Google and all of a sudden it's showing up in your Facebook feed as an ad. That sure. is happening with everything that you're doing. So the kids just need to be aware that, Sometimes sharing too much is is dangerous and, and not just, again, about their online reputation and their, and their reputation amongst their friends, but also making sure they're not putting too much information out there that can make them susceptible to identity theft. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Uh, college. This is a big one. <laughs> Look at you. Okay. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even think about it. I mean, it, to me, five years from now, it, it could not please go any slower, but so they're off in college. You've gotten through the decision of where to send them and who's going to pay for it. And 
basically at this point, they are independent depending on what the situation is. I went away to college. I was living on my own. And you still have a tether, and there's still a little bit of control from a parental standpoint. But really, these kids are adults. They are at least, you know, at 18 years old at this point, and they have a driver's license. And there are booths all over the, you know, student campus that says, get this credit card, or you can walk into the financial aid office and ask for a little bit more financial aid if it's available. They are basically able to get their own financial aid. They're able to get loans. They're able to open up credit cards. And with that comes an enormous amount of responsibility. From my standpoint, one of the biggest things that kids need to know at this point is you have a credit score. And this debt is going to stay with you forever. Student loans, for example, with rare exception if you're in the military or certain teaching professions, it's not going away. So if you owe money for college, you cannot bankrupt out of it. So every time that they, and I cannot believe this is even allowed, but you can walk into, as in the 19 and 20-year-old, into the financial aid office and ask for money. And oh, I didn't even realize that. Your parents do not have to sign off because you are an adult. Wow. You have certain limits that you're allowed to take if you haven't taken it. They don't have to verify what you're using it for. You can put on there that you're using it for books, but then you can go use it to buy clothes. Are you for real? I did not yes. realize that. Oh, that's way it, too easy. Yes. Yes. And then obviously signing up for credit cards. I've always joked that there are people that paid for a case of beer for 10 years because they bought it with their credit card yeah. and just never paid it off. So it's really important that kids understand that the decisions they're making right now when they're in college, because they're going to have a lot of independence and they're going to have a lot of people coming at them with quote unquote free money that if you don't have a job or if you don't have a budget set up and you're not figuring out how to, you know, manage your fixed expenses and lifestyle expenses, college can be just a, it can be a mess for a, a child financially, depending on, on the decisions that they make. So if there's ways that your college will allow you to have more control over those circumstances, I, I certainly strongly encourage it. Each college is different. You can have open dialogues with your kids about credit cards and, and whatnot. And, it, and it's a fine line because you do want your kids to start to establish a credit a credit history because at some point in time, you don't want to have to co-sign for the car anymore or they may want to buy a house. So they do want to start to establish credit, good credit. So it isn't a bad thing to have a credit card, but it starts to get bad when they're not able to, to pay them off. And also kind of managing working and their education. So all of these things are really important and it's a critical time in, in a child's life when they can be making decisions that could really affect them down the road. And that also comes in line with what are they going to school for and can this produce the job that will be able to give them a living that they can be independent on? So there's a lot of things that you should be talking about with that high school to college transition and I think for some kids, oh, I'll just go an extra year or I'll just transfer. And 
I don't think they realize how much this can affect themselves. It can affect their their families. And it's hard enough to go to college nowadays if you do everything right because it's so expensive. But mm-hmm. when you really start to veer off course, it can have very, very long-term effects. Yeah. So you um, treat your kids like adults. They're very capable of making these decisions, especially if you start young enough with them. So college is a really, really, really big time to still maintain that communication, even though you know, you're starting to give them some of that independence. Okay, great. And those apps that you were talking about at the beginning of our conversation that you highly recommend? A really great app is um, FAMZOO, Family Finance. So F-A-M-ZOO, Family Finance. That's great for the young ones. Um, and Savings Free is another one. And then just play a game of Monopoly with them. Play a game of life. Life oh, is a really yeah. great one. Life is one that, you know, they have to start, they have to decide, okay, am I going to take that job right out of school? Am I going to get an education? Do I want to have multiple children? And it's just little decisions that they have to make along the way where there's a give and take. And it just makes it more fun. And granted, it, it, it's a game, but it does allow you to then maybe continue the conversation past just the game. Yeah. You don't have the money to buy that mansion. Exactly. You're stuck with the, what is yes. it? I forgot what it's like, the trailer or something. Yeah. Well, and, and Monopoly, I mean, that's, that's a whole nother, a whole nother can of worms. But it does, you know, these are, these are topics that aren't exactly exciting to bring up with your kids. So a nice way to maybe start is to play a game like that and then talk about the opportunity cost and making one decision over another. And it can be a nice way to transition into a more serious conversation. Perfect. Erica Cummings, thank you so very much. And uh, you're welcome. She will be on back again with us next month. We look forward to it. You got it. We'll see you then. Erica Cummings, VP at Morgan Stanley. If you subscribe to the Seven Figures podcast, first, thank you so much for doing that. If you have yet to subscribe, make sure you do so you get the notification when a new episode goes up. And uh, quite honestly, it makes me look good to the big bosses here. So thank you. I I appreciate it. But you won't be getting a a notification for the next two weeks because we're going to take some time off. So on the 26th, we will be back uh, with a very cool story about the woman who created the franchise concept. So in the meantime, scroll back, listen to any previous episode that you may have missed, and you have a fantastic 4th of July weekend. I will talk to you when we get back. Raise a glass, whatever's in your hand, and we say cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at Sandy at RochesterBuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the 7 Figures podcast. Smart money strategies for women.